Join the big show Friday, Friday from 2 to 6. They're going to be at the warehouse, 86 East University Parkway in Orm. Prices so low, it'll blow your mind. DJ PK, and we are joined now by Don Sterling, now the new executive director of the Miller Family Office. He has worn multiple hats in his time with the uh, Miller Organization and the Utah Jazz, now running the Miller Family Office. Don, good morning. Good morning, guys. How are you? Good. Uh, We got you on to talk about the blood drive, and we'll talk about that in just a second. But first, I'm curious, the Miller Family Office. So what are you doing exactly? What does the family office do? Uh, I know a lot of people think a family office is simply a location where the family gathers. <laughs> but it is, uh, it is far more than that. If, if you look at, obviously, the Miller family owns the Larry H. Miller group of companies. And that is their, their family business. The family office really takes care of and uh, tends to the business of the family. It can range from uh, philanthropic efforts, uh, education, career development, obviously financial matters and investments, but it is that um, entity, that organization that works directly with um, all members of the Miller family to, to provide them opportunities to provide them uh, the resources they need to go about being great humans and living productive lives. Now, Don, we've known you for a long time. We need to explain to people that you're not that Don Sterling. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, especially in this day. Um, <laughs> those, were, uh, those were some tough days back then, and, and Commissioner Silver and the league's done a great job moving on from that, and yet here we are again today dealing with some very important matters, and hopefully everybody uh, is having a softening of their heart and a desire to understand and to reach out. All right, so uh, I was walking out of the uh, radio station, and uh, I think a lot of people know because they've been to jazz games, but if you haven't been to a jazz game in the Upper Bowl, the radio studios are up on the fifth floor, and some of you walk by and go into your seats when you're going to games. And I walked out, and I heard some music, and of course, you know, the arena's pretty much been a ghost town here for about three months. Uh, There's a few people back in it now, but for a while, there literally weren't even a dozen people in it. Uh, at any given time. But to hear music coming out of the arena, I thought, what is going on? I turned and walked in, and of course I looked down and immediately realized, well, of course, I knew they were having a blood drive here. I didn't know exactly where it was going to be or what it was going to look like, but it's actually on the arena floor. The scoreboard's there, and it's all lit up with the blood drive info and stuff, and their table's set up, and they got music, and there were people moving around down there. And uh, So explain the, the how the blood drive got started, why you're doing it on the the scale you're doing it and doing it in the arena. This actually uh, was a conversation that started towards the end of April with uh, Gail Miller and Greg Miller and the family um, and, and other members of our organization of what can we do at this moment where we now see that the uh, COVID-19 reality is going to be much more of a marathon than a sprint. Uh, what can we do to really impact people? So under the umbrella of Driven to Assist, as you may recall, we, we first did the, the food drive with the Utah Food Bank, and we'd had a goal of six, 7,000 pounds, 8,000 pounds, which is, you know, four tons. We ended up uh, collecting 23,000 pounds, uh, nearly 12 tons of food. Our dealerships 
theaters uh, were involved, the Vivint uh, Smart Home Arena and Smith's Ballpark. But as part of those conversations, we also knew and recognized that there was going to be a need for blood, especially as the economy started to open up. Uh, elective surgeries were going to start happening, and frankly, more people are on the streets driving and having activities, and therefore there are more accidents and the need for blood. So we, we put a really what was an extraordinary working group together that started at the top with Dr. Angela Dunn, the state epidemiologist. Uh, we partnered with the American Red Cross, ARUP, uh, Intermountain Health, uh, University of Utah Health, HCA, which is St. Mark's, and, and Stewart Health. Um, and our own, our own people, the arena people, have just been fantastic. But we knew that if we wanted to do something significant, we needed to do it on a larger scale. But at the same time, we knew we needed to make it absolutely safe and, and uh, sanitized and uh, respectful of all the restrictions around COVID-19. So starting yesterday was the first day. We, we are going all week. Uh, we will go through Friday, June 5th. It goes from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. Um, we, uh, it is open to the public, although we ask that if possible, if at all possible, you go to redcrossblood.org, redcrossblood.org, something easy to remember, and uh, use the sponsor code LHM and to sign up for an appointment. We we wanted to, our goal is 900 appointments through the week. And, and yesterday, uh, at the end of yesterday, we were at 457. Uh, yes, yesterday we had over uh, 150 people come in and give a unit of blood. I will tell you, you too, and I challenge you, I was one of them. Uh, I was able to give blood, and it went well. It was a great experience. The American Red Cross handle it uh, in a fantastic, efficient, uh, clean way. So it's a good start. How long does the process take, Don? You know, I walked in. Um, you, uh, let me take you through it. You walk in. They take your temperature. want to make sure that there's no, uh, no temperatures walking into the building. Uh, you get a little, you, you check in. You go downstairs. There's about a 15-minute uh, check-in process uh, that takes place. And then I would say PK end-to-end -end on the table is about 15 to 20 minutes, maybe. It was, I, I felt maybe a little longer. It was, uh, I was, uh, frankly, you know, giving blood is not something everybody on the planet likes to do or think about. But I will tell you, uh, the American Red Cross made it so easy, um, and, and uh, they, they uh, explain every step of the way. There's tons of treats after if you need a little uh, need a little boost of energy, but uh, I bet all in it was 45 minutes ish. They're not lying about the treats. I've given blood. Always good treats. Really good treats. <laughs> quality quality cookies, beverages. Hit them up. But I will tell you, it was. Uh, um, and, and look, we've had a tough weekend, and at, at one point we thought, should we? continue to do our blood drive and collectively we felt look this is a unifying effort this is a unifying activity and if if our communities out there wondering what they can do in in the midst of some of the challenges we're having 
we, we invite you to go help people. And this is one of the ways we can do that. We, we found out and I learned that every unit of blood, and that's what you give, you give a unit of blood, nice little baggie of blood, uh, it, it can serve up to three people. So 900 units could help 2,700 people in the community throughout the state of Utah. This blood's gonna serve all 37 hospitals in the state. And uh, like I said, can't thank American Red Cross and our partners on this for making it happen. But it's only Tuesday. We gotta finish strong. We gotta get to that, to that 900 appointment. And if we can do more than that, great. I remember, Don, when your father passed, which I think is about five years ago or so, yeah. uh, and he was in sports management. He had a very interesting background, uh, sports writer, sports talk shows. Now, I, I happen to know if you worked as a sports writer and then became a sports radio talk show host, you're a special human being. Uh. Um, I'm not naming names, but if you were able to do both of those things, then you really are something special. On this you know, PK, I may have not have ever told you this, but... Uh, when when I was growing up, he he was a sports writer for the Oakland Tribune, and yes. then was hi- hired by Al Davis at the Oakland Raiders. He said, "Donnie, later in your life, you're going to meet some people like me, and you need to show them the utmost respect." <laughs> wow, that, that's why I'm here with you, boys. You are just as full of it as PK is. That's amazing. I thought you were only about you know two thirds as full of it. <laughs> what I was going to say is, I remember reading. At the time, correct me if I'm wrong, but he was credited as one of the founders of fantasy football? That is correct. Um, what was that? Well, it, 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 and I often say, geez, if he had just put a patent on it, I'd be on scholarship the rest <laughs> of my life. Uh, he, he was with uh, t- um, um, two other people. Bill Winkenbach, who was a minority owner of the Oakland Raiders, and George Ross, who actually was the the editor, sports editor of the Oakland Tribune. In the old days, when when teams, this was when it was still the AFL, the Raiders would go on a road trip. It's not like today where you go back, you know, out and back. When they would go to the East Coast, they played three to- three teams at the time. They they played the New York Jets, the Boston Patriots, and the Buffalo Bills, and they would be gone for three weeks. They would fly out, they would stay out and play those three games and then come home after being on the road for three weeks, if you can imagine. Wow. And so one night, uh, they're, in a, they're in New York City, and there may have been some refreshments involved. I can't confirm that. <laughs> but they had the idea uh, to take, what if we had a draft and you drafted AFL players, and then created a, a, a point system. This is probably six, 1961, 1962. And out of that came um, what they called GOPL, G, the Greater Oakland Pigskin Prognosticators League. GOPL, pretty clever name. But they, they created... And the rules of the game, still uh, you can still find them. Uh, NFL Network did a show a few years ago on the whole creation of, of fantasy football and credited George Ross and Bill Winkenbach and my dad with the creation of what is now fantasy football. In fact, they still have 
the original document that has the draft picks of each of the members of the original really? couple. So that is that is uh, one of the great things. That if you if you Google fantasy football Scotty Sterling, it will come up. <laughs> that is spectacular. <laughs> Isn't that? I mean, who knew? Who knew? The genius of sports writers slash sports radio talk show host. It never ends. PK, it is unending. <laughs> you need to have Don on more. I think I think <laughs> that's actually true, despite my obvious reservations. Uh, PK knows how I am, and I don't know if this is uh, just because the Raiders sucked at the time or because it was just such a lousy idea but they did those three-week trips every year i've been looking at the schedule while you're talking because of course i have and this is this is phenomenal this would never fly now the complaints would be outrageous i mean this is the equivalent of putting an nba team well i guess the spurs do it with the rodeo road trip that would be maybe the one comparison you could come up with but imagine imagine a group of young men out on the road for three weeks straight. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it, it, uh, and, and just, anyway, it just was, a. uh, it was, there's just an innocence to it, to the league then, I mean, compared to the way it is now, but they thought nothing of it. And they, and they were flying commercial everywhere they went. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, what it does, Don, it screams of the stories that Jerry Sloan used to tell versus what's going on now because it was a similar thing, similar circumstances that Jerry was playing under when he was in the league with uh, when he started in Baltimore and then obviously with the Chicago Bulls with the number of games that they were playing and flying commercial and all that stuff. I mean, we know all those stories, and that's what they were doing back then. Absolutely. Well, uh, first of all, let me say I was I lived, grew up in the Bay Area, and I would go to Warriors games, and I remember when the Bulls came in, and they had arguably, arguably still to this day, maybe the toughest backcourt physically of any team with Jerry and Norm Van Sloan. Van Leer. Uh, or Norm Van uh, Leer, sorry. Uh, Norm Van Leer and, and Jerry Sloan. You did not want to play them. You did not want to play them. But even my, my dad served as uh, VP of operations for the league, so he's over player ops. And this was... He took that job in 82, so during those, those early to, to mid-80, probably longer than that. But the rule was um, you, you, teams weren't flying private at that point. Right. And so the rule was whatever the, the first flight out mm-hmm. to the next city you were going to, that was the flight you had to take. So you could play a game in one city, and if you were going to the had a game in another city on a roadie, you couldn't take the midday flight. You couldn't take the late afternoon flight, even if you had a day in between. You had to take the first flight out. Six a.m. So I mean, if you can imagine, it's uh, and and you you can uh, you can envision players that had shorter careers if they played today they probably look this is lengthened careers yeah this is yeah, lengthened no careers because of the the physical demands they've created ways to offset those physical demands 
Before we let you go, Don, you you know, your father was in the business. You've been in the business. You talk about attending games as a child, so you, you have a lot of background here. One of the themes that we've been hitting here this week is the idea, we had Steve Cleveland on talking about it, the idea of sports being able to be a great unifier. Could you maybe amplify that, some of the experiences that you saw bringing people from all sorts of backgrounds? We talked about, hey, maybe if there was a jazz game on last Saturday night, who knows, maybe it wouldn't have been as bad. People would have, at the very minimum, they would have been, maybe have some interest occupied. But the greater good of, of folks from different backgrounds, from the fan perspective, in addition, obviously, to the players, but coming together and finding some common ground that sports can bring. Yeah, I, look, I, since I was very, very young, um, there was always something about communities getting together and, and rooting for their team or rooting for their country that, that brings people together. We, we love our team. We love our guys. We love to see them compete. And when the focus turns from whatever may, we may be happening in our own lives and, and life gets tough and these are, these are challenges that we need to address that are going on right now. But when our teams take the floor, take the field, um, suddenly the people next to us we're, we're all on the same team then because we're unified in our support of what's happening on the floor or happening on the, on the field of play. That's why the Olympics are so extraordinary. And, and, and look, NBA basketball, I, I just love this game, and we've all been going through withdrawals. Um, it's been fun to watch, watch some of our repeat games on, uh, on, on AT&T Sportsnet. First of all, you can relax because you know you're going to win the game, no matter <laughs> if, if we're having a bad run at a certain part. At least I know we're going to win. But, and, and we miss it. We miss our guys. Um, you know, the, having been involved with the 2002 Olympic Winter Games and the Olympic movement, we used to say, we don't know where the stories will come from, but they always do. There's always something that, that emanates from sports competition where, where an individual, a, a man or a woman, a boy or a girl, steps up beyond their own abilities and has the performance of a lifetime. And then you learn more about that person and it connects us as, as humans and, and as a community. And that's why the sooner we can get back in a safe and thoughtful way, I'm all in. I'm all in. I can't, I can't wait to see the Utah Jazz on the floor again. Can't wait to see the bees at the ballpark. Um, it brings us together. Thank you. We'll leave it right there, Don. We appreciate the time. Hey, one more time for the people who want to come to the arena and uh, walk around down on the floor. The, the basketball floor isn't down. They're, they're on the concrete floor underneath that, uh, obviously. But uh, how, to, uh, how to get uh, time reserved and get all hooked up. Terrific. Thank you. Um, today through Friday at Vivint Smart Home Arena, 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. It's the Driven to Assist Blood Drive in coordination with the American Red Cross. Um, if uh, They are taking walk-ups if you're in the area and, and, and get a hankering to go help and, and give blood, you can, you can walk up. 
We encourage everyone, though, to set an appointment, and you can set an appointment by going to redcrossblood.org, redcrossblood.org. Use the sponsor code LHM. It's an easy process. Um, uh, like I said, I gave yesterday, and it was a, it was a, a comfortable experience and a great experience from the folks at American Red Cross. And we just and, and one more thing, DJ and, and PK, you said it. One of the things that Greg Miller said was, we're going to do well by doing good. People will give blood. But it also gives a chance for people to come back into our home, into Vivint Smart Home Arena, where we have such fond memories and affection for this place, for games, for concerts, for ice shows. So many of us have such singular memories of things that have gone on in this building, and we haven't been able to visit it. This is an opportunity to come back to uh, to a home that's comfortable to us and be able to do some good by giving blood. Don, thanks for a few minutes. Thanks for a little fantasy football, three-game AFL road trips, <laughs> and other assorted bits of information. Thanks, guys. Appreciate the support, and uh, always good to be with you.